with me, please, to the book of Psalms, Psalm 107, and we're going to begin reading at verse 1, praise the Lord, Psalm 107, beginning at verse 1. We're going to read through the entire psalm this morning, or just about the entire psalm, so I want you to keep your Bible open, and we're going to study this morning about the the different conditions or four conditions of the human soul that we find here in this psalm. As we study through them, I, I think you will see a God working uh, not only in every one of these situations, but also uh, that he will work in, in your life as well. The psalmist begins with these words of exaltation and praise. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the land of the adversary. And gathers from the lands from the east and from the west. From the north and from the south. Father we ask that you would anoint the preaching of your word. Anoint my lips of clay to preach your word. And I ask that you would speak to the individual needs. And conditions of every listener's heart this morning. I ask you to manifest your power on behalf of the believer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The Bible teaches us that man is a tripart being. He is a spirit. Who has a soul and lives in a body. And this is the reality of man. These three parts of us are important to understand, important to recognize. And many people live in uh, ignorance of what these three things are, what they mean, and how they interconnect or interrelate to one another. But I want to share these things with you this morning, as I have in previous times, uh, because it's important for you as you uh, desire to walk with God and to know all the truth of Scripture to be able to understand that these three parts of man. Now, I said it uh, before. I'm going to have you say it with me so that you can start getting this in your mind. Say with me, man is a spirit. Man has a soul. Man lives in the body. You are a spirit. There is a part of you that is spiritual. And this is actually the primary part of you. The real you is a spirit, and that spirit is going to live forever. Either in the presence of God or eternally separated from God, but every human spirit will live forever. The Bible said the spirit was given by God. He breathed into Adam the breath of God and made him a life-giving spirit, a life-giving soul. And so Adam uh, is, is a picture to us of what we are. We are a a spirit, we're a, 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 a life that was given by God, uh, which is valuable to God. And this spirit has a soul. The soul of man is also eternal. And the soul of man is the part of you where your instinct, your appetite, and your emotions, and your will reside. That part of you that thinks about having uh, pizza, or that part of you that thinks about ice cream... That appetite uh, is not really just coming from your body. It's coming from the 
uh, the soulish part of man. It's that part of you that gets angry, that part of you that gets emotional or upset, it gets excited. All of that is coming out of your soul. And then the man has, uh, lives in a body. And your body, my body, it's the temporal part of us. It's the part of us that doesn't live forever. It was God's will for man's body to live forever originally, but sin came into the world. And now this human body decays. It grows older and eventually uh, passes from this life. And until the resurrection of the body at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that is the fate of the human body. It is a temporal thing. In fact, the Bible says that the body is like a tent that will soon be folded up and put away. When you go camping, you take a tent. You set up your tent. It becomes your house for a few uh, days. And then when you're done with it, you fold it up, you put it away, and you don't think about it anymore. And that's how the Bible describes the human body. It's like a tent. It's a house in which we live in temporarily. And someday this this camping trip's going to be up. And this, this temporary sh- body is, uh, is going to be uh, put in a grave and it's going to uh, pass into dust and it will be the end of that. But your spirit and soul will live on forever. Now the irony of that is that most people give most attention and most time to their body and very little time to their spirit and to their soul. Most people spend all of their life thinking about how their hair looks and uh, how their makeup looks and how their, uh, their body looks to the world and whether their genes fit and all of these physical things that are, of course, important and they are, are very real, but they are not eternal. And so our focus really ought to be on developing our spirit and on bringing our soul into a place of submission to the will and purpose of God for our life. And we read Psalm 107, and here the psalmist gives us four pictures of the human soul. Or maybe you would describe them as four different conditions of the soul. And I want you to look at them with me this morning. As we study these four uh, portions of the scripture, you're going to notice some repetition. You're going to notice some poetic repetition. This is, of course, to help us learn these truths a little bit better. But it is also the fact that Every one of these has the same solution, and every one of these has the same result. When they are brought to God, there's always going to be a solution, and there's always going to be a testimony as a result. And so I want you to look at these four conditions of the soul with me this morning, because you may be in one of them. You may be in all of them. And maybe you're not there now, but someday you may be. And I want you to understand that God cares about your soul. God cares about the, the things that you carry on the inside of you. The, the thoughts, the emotions, the feelings, the concerns, the worries that you carry. They are important to God. God loves you. He loves you, not just your body. He loves your spirit. He loves your soul. Now your spirit is that part of you that communes with God. Your body communes with the world around you. Your soul expresses itself through your body, but your spirit has communion and fellowship with God. And today as we study these four conditions of the soul, I want you to see the role that the spirit takes in uh, in addressing the issues that come into our life because they are important to God. 
And God wants you to live in the fullness of life. Jesus said that the believer would have abundance of life. He said, I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. That means that God wants you to have spiritual life. That's what we call eternal life. The life of God dwelling within us. That's spiritual life. God wants you to have a full spiritual life. But he also wants you to have a soul that is fully enjoying the abundance of the life of God that is in your in your life. And then he wants your physical body to enjoy the same. Let's begin at verse 4. Keep your Bible open throughout this sermon. We're going to see these four conditions of the soul. Verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Here's the first condition of the soul. Man without God is lost. Everyone say lost. The soul without God is lost. Look at the description of this soul. He is wandering. Where is he wandering? He's wandering in the wilderness, in the desert. Unable to find a city to inhabit. Unable to find a home. Every single person ever born since the fall of man has been born lost. The Bible said that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So God loves and cares about lost people. I remember uh, one time I, uh, my mother and I were in San Antonio in downtown. We were going to pick up a family member from the bus station. And I couldn't quite find the bus station. So I pulled up at a stop sign and I told mom, I said, roll down your window and ask that lady oh, if she knows where the bus station is. So mom did that. And uh, she said, ma'am, do you know where the bus station is? And the lady said, I'm lost too. That's the world without God. We're all lost. Nobody knows how to find their way. Nobody has the solutions that lead to eternal life. And this is the condition of it. It's a dry place. The lost soul is a dry place. I want you to be very thoughtful of that and mindful of that because the Bible tells us that demon spirits seek dry places. That's why, Christian, you need to be careful not to get dry spiritually. Not to get dry spiritually because the devil looks for dry places. He seeks places where there is no life to come and to destroy. And that is the thing he's going to do in every, in every heart that he can get his hands on. He's going to wipe it out. He's going to, he's going to dry it up. He's going to destroy what he can. And that is the purpose of the kingdom of darkness. And so man is lost. He's in a dry place. And then the Bible said he's thirsty and he's hungry. He is hungry and he's thirsty and his soul is fainting within him. And this is the condition of man without God. This is the condition of man apart from Christ. But the Bible tells us that Jesus said these words. He said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Let me tell you, friend, there is a cure for thirst, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of His Spirit filling your life to overflowing. Say amen, somebody. What's the solution for the lost soul? You say, Pastor, I'm wondering right now. I, I'm wandering around. I don't have any direction. I don't have any clear idea of what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I don't know uh, God. I don't know anything about 
about how to live a life successfully in God's eyes. I'm just wandering around. I'm lost. What do I do? Here's the solution for the lost soul. Right here in verse 5. Pardon, in verse 6. What does it say? They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. They cried out to the Lord. What does it mean to cry out to God? It means that you call on Him in faith. Basically, they prayed. To cry out to God is to call on God in faith for Him to get involved in this situation. To tell God your need. To tell God that you're lost. Now, if you're like me and most men, we don't like to admit we're lost. And uh, we almost never are, right? It's just, uh, we're just taking the scenic route. But God is looking for people who will humble themselves and say, I'm lost. I don't know the way. I don't have the solution. And the Bible says, call upon me, God speaking, and I will answer you. That's God's promise to you that when you and I call on Him, He will answer. He's going to answer you and He's going to give you the, the, the revelation, and insight, the information that you need. What does the Bible say there? They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And what did He do? He delivered them out of all their distress. Say amen, somebody. Has anybody called on the Lord? Let me just ask you a question. Were there any lost people in here? Was there anybody in here that knows what it's like to be lost? You're, you were so lost you couldn't find up or down. But then you called on Jesus. Come on, you called on Jesus. Tell me, did he show up? Did he show up in your life? Did he show up in your home? Did he show up in your family? Come on, somebody. You have a testimony. You know what God does when you call on him. He shows up. The Bible said, I cried. They cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distress. Look at the results. He led them also by a straight way and to go to an inhabited city. When a lost person will call on God for help, and he will come to Jesus as his Savior, he will find direction for his life. He will find direction for his soul. And you won't be aimless, and you won't be listless anymore, because you will be led by the Holy Spirit of God. And not only that, you find a home. These lost, this lost soul, the, the psalmist tells us, once he called on God, he found a city to dwell in. He saw, he found a home. I don't know if you have found your home this morning, but I'm here to invite you to come to Jesus, to make him the Lord of your life, and he will give you a home that is an eternal home, a place to call home for all eternity in the presence of God in the Father's house. That's God's promise to you this morning. If you'll call upon him, he'll give you direction. He'll give you clarity. Now, one of the definitions of this, of this uh, place uh, of turmoil and this place of lostness is to be homeless. And the soul is homeless until it finds Christ. But once you've found Christ, friend, you are now invited to the Father's house. And I just tell you, in the Father's house, there is abundance. In the Father's house, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory. In the Father's house, there is restoration of lost things. Come on, God is inviting you to come home this morning. You say, He won't accept me. I've gone too far. I've broken too many commandments. 
I've, I've, I've led a, a hard life, a wrong type of life. God doesn't want anything to do with me. And friend, the Bible talks about a son who took all of his father's possessions and he misspent them and he wasted them on riotous living. But the day he decided to come home, his father not only received him, but ran out to receive him because God loves lost people and he's calling you to come home. To know him as your savior. To know the father as your father. And the Bible tells us as the church that this is our mandate. It's our call to seek and save the lost. To proclaim Christ so that lost people can come to know Jesus. So that lost people can come to know the peace that God brings to a heart that's been restored and brought home to the presence of God. That's our mission, church. To preach the gospel. I said, that's our mission, church. To preach the gospel. You say, well, uh, they're, they're, they're hooked on drugs. Or they've had a bad reputation. Or they've, they, they just look rough. God doesn't care about any of those things. And neither should we. What God cares about is lost sons coming home. Lost daughters coming home. Come on, somebody. God's heart is, is pleading for the lost to come to Him. And the Bible said that He's making a plea through the church. Be reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now go to verse 10. We see here the second condition of the soul. Chapter 107, verse 10. There, they, there were those who dwelled in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in, my, in misery and chains. Because they had rebelled against the word of God and spurned the counsel of the Almighty. Now here you have the second condition of the soul and that is captivity. Imprisoned by chains. The Bible said they were prisoners in misery and in chains. The soul without God is a captive. And you can, you can think about it, you don't have to think very hard, and you'll see the way that the chains of darkness appear and manifest in a human life. We see it in drug addiction. You see it in alcoholism. You see it in that person trying to break free, but the chains are too powerful, they're too mighty for that man or that woman. You see it in, in, in the, the chains that come through the, uh, the spirits that uh, afflict people. And you might have a person who is afflicted by a, a demon spirit, as, as I have seen in my, in my ministry. And you wonder, you wonder how the devil could be so cruel to take a life and to subject it to his power and, and subject it to a prison of fear and of, of depression and discouragement. I remember... Now, one of the cruelest cases I saw, a nine-year-old girl possessed by demons. She looked like an older woman, like an old woman. And I remember when I was praying for that young lady's deliverance, for that little girl's deliverance, just the, the feeling of uh, the, the, the movement of my spirit of indignation toward the power of darkness that had done this to her. Don't deceive yourself. The devil doesn't want to be your friend he doesn't have any interest in making friends with you. He wants to bind you and destroy your life. He wants to empty you of every good thing. 
He wants to make you miserable. And he wants to take you to an eternal hell. That is Satan's plan for every life. And the human soul without God is going to be bound by something one way or another. The enemy will bring chains around that soul. It might be because of abuse. It might be because of rejection. You see the brokenness of the human spirit bound by the powers of darkness. The Bible says here they dwell in darkness. That word darkness not only refers to the power of hell but it re- or to the power of the devil, but it refers to ignorance, an absence of the truth, not understanding, not knowing the word of God. And if you look there in verse uh, 11, you'll bear this out. The Bible said they rebelled against the words of God. Listen, every single life that rebels against the word of God or rejects the word of God and says the Bible doesn't have anything to say to me, they're going to become a captive to the devil. Sooner or later, when you reject the word of God, you reject the truth, you will become ignorant. Darkness will, will cover your mind. And please, uh, don't, don't argue with me this morning. Just look around in our culture. Do you see the darkness in our culture? Do you see how they call good things evil? And how they call evil things good? Because every nation that rejects the word of God, rejects the freedom that the word of God brings. That's Satan's path for every human soul without God. The Bible said that they spurned the word of God and they rebelled against the word of God. And so they became captives. What's the solution, pastor? How do I get free? How do I get deliverance? How do I get freedom from this addiction? Freedom from this depression? Freedom from this oppression that's in my life? The answer is right here in verse 13. They cried to the Lord. They cried out to God in their trouble. Some people think, I'll pray when I get free. I'll pray when I get cleaned up. I'll pray when I get better. I'll pray when I'm, when I'm uh, uh, standing on my own te- two feet. If you wait till then, you'll never pray. Because the only way to get on your own two feet, the only way to be free is to call on God. He is the deliverer of the soul that is bound and held captive. This is the ministry of Jesus. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach deliverance to captives. Can I tell you this morning, there is a deliverer who has the power over every chain and the key to every lock. His name is Jesus. And if you will call out to Him, if you will cry out to Him, He will answer you and He will deliver you. Look what the Bible says. He saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness. When Christ brings deliverance to your life, He's going to do it by the Word of God. And the Word of God is going to bring light to replace the ignorance. Truth to replace the ignorance. And light to replace the darkness in your life. That's why you don't want to go a day without the Word of God. Because the Word of God brings freedom to your life by the power of the Spirit. And when you and I are, are operating in the Word, we're operating in light. And the light of God dispels the shadows out of our life. But look at what else He did. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and He broke their bands apart. Another translation said He broke their prison into pieces. Come on, somebody. When Jesus came into your heart and He set you free, He broke your prison into pieces. 
I said he broke your prison into pieces. When, when he brought Israel out of Egyptian slavery, they were captives for hundreds of years in, in, in Egypt under Pharaoh. What did they do? They cried out to God. God told Moses, he said, I have seen the affliction of my people and I have heard their cry and I have come down to deliver them. And he brought them out of Egypt and they're about to cross the Red Sea. And he told Moses, he said, tell the people to go forward because the enemy they see today, they will never see again. Come on, somebody. When God sets you free, he breaks your prison into pieces. The Bible said that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I wish there was somebody in here to shout amen if you know what I'm talking about this morning. That God said you'll never see that enemy again. I'm not going to let him take your life again. I'm not going to let him bind you again. I'm not going to let him hold you again because you've been set free by the almighty power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you free this morning? If you want to be free this morning... Here's what you have to do. You cry out, cry out to God. Call on God. He's the deliverer. He's the liberator. He's the one with the power to break your prison into pieces. And I love that expression because it lets me know that he does it in such a way that you don't have to be afraid of going back. You don't have to be afraid of being held by what once held you. That you can be free and truly free. The soul bound by the devil can be so free that it never remembers its past when it comes to Christ. So free that it doesn't even remember what it was like. God has that for you this morning. If you call on him in faith, if you bring him your captive soul, he'll deliver you. Verse 17, we have the third state of the soul. Fools, because of their rebellious ways and because of their iniquities were afflicted. And their soul abhorred all kinds of food. And they drew near to the gates of death. This is the, fourth, the third state of, man, of the soul of man and that is sickness. The Bible said that they abhorred all kinds of food. When you get sick, you lose your appetite. Ever happened to you? Sometimes when you get sick, you get a stronger appetite. But in many cases, when you get really sick, you, you lose your appetite. And I've seen sick people who will have an appetite, and as soon as they start eating, they're done. They, they lose their desire for food. Sickness is a terrible thing. And this is one of the conditions of the soul of man. Sickness. Infirmity. And sickness first of all in the soul. And you can see a person who looks great on the outside. They have a great job. They're prospering. They have a nice car, nice house, happy family uh, from all appearances. But in their soul, they're sick. They're discouraged. They're sad. They're depressed. They're wounded. And I want you to know God cares about that soul. God cares about the soul that's been sickened by trauma and by trouble in life. And that person's soul can be so weighed down. The Bible says that, that the, the, the heart, when it is sick, is, is, is impossible to raise up. 
You can take them to a birthday party. You can take them to Six Flags. You can take them to Disney World. None of it's enough. It won't raise up the, the heaviness of spirit, of the sickness of the soul. And many times this produces sickness in the body. Because the heavy heart produces a, a sickness in the physical body. It starts to be manifested in the body. And it wasn't even originally a physical sickness, but it, began, it became one because of a sick soul. That's why many times Jesus would say to someone after he healed them, go and sin no more. Because there was something about their soul. Something about their, their spiritual life that was affecting their natural life. Sin had come in and brought this sickness and that was manifested in their bodies. There are many ways that this sickness can come into a body, but the Bible uh, tells us here that it came because they rebelled against the Almighty. They rejected God's way. And, and maybe, maybe you say, Pastor, I haven't rebelled against God. But you see, whenever a person decides in their heart, I'm not going to do it God's way. I, I want to do this my way. I want to carry this myself. I want to fix this myself. I want the solution to come out of me. Friend, that's a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe for trouble. And affliction comes to the soul. And sickness comes to the soul. What's the solution, pastor? What's the answer? Well, the, the answer is the same as it has been all along. Verse 19. What did they do? They cried out to the Lord. Say amen, somebody. They cried out to the Lord. Let me just ask you a quick question. How much does it cost to pray? How expensive is it to pray? How much does it require of you? How much energy does it take for you to cry out? God has made healing and he has made deliverance available to you at the simple utterance of a prayer. Come on, somebody. He is a God so good that he has left his um, immense and awesome power available to the believer by simple prayer. We often gravitate to the expensive option. We gravitate to the hard option. God says, call upon me. Cry out to me. Let me hear your, your, your spirit call out to me. And when you cry out to him, it says he delivered them from their trouble. Look at verse 20. He sent his word and he healed them. Say that out loud with me. He sent his word and he healed them. Look, next time you get sick, just remember that. He sent his word and he healed them. Now in the Old Testament, he did this by sending the prophets with the word. When the nation would get sick or a person would get sick, the word of God would come through the mouth of a prophet and bring about the healing that they were seeking. For instance, in the case of Naaman the leper. Naaman comes to the prophet. He's a leper. He wants to be cleansed. And the, the prophet says, here's the word of the Lord. Go and bathe in the Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. He sent his word. Naaman obeyed the word of God and healing came. And you're going to notice that, that every time there's going to be a requirement on your part to receive the word. You have to receive the word that's been sent. In another place, the nation of Israel, this time it was a corporate sickness, the, the nation of Israel was suffering from snake bites. 
And everybody that got bit by this particular type of snake died. And this was a judgment from God. And so the prophet went to the Lord and the Lord said, tell the people that you're going to raise up a, a serpent of brass on a stick, on a pole. And everyone that will look at the, at the, at the pole with a serpent of brass will live. That pole was a type of the cross. It was a symbol of the fact that one day Jesus would come and he would become our sin bearer. And anyone that would look to him would live. And so the nation of Israel, without any prescription, without any antidote, without any vaccine, simply looked to the pole because they received and believed the word and they lived. He sent his word and he healed them. But then in the New Testament, something changed. And the Bible said that the Word became flesh. Now, the Word is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ came, and one of the uh, attributes or traits of His ministry was that He was a healer. But how did He heal you? The Bible said that He went to the cross, and by His stripes you were healed. God sent His Word to the cross. And on the cross, Jesus died for the sick sicknesses of the world. And because of his cross, you and I today have the promise of healing from God. And the Bible said that by his stripes, by his wound, by his blood on the cross, you and I are healed. Come on, somebody. You have a word that's been sent. You have the word of God given through the prophets. You have the Bible and you have the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when you get sick, just remember this. God has sent his word. Go and open your Bible and call on Jesus. Read what God has promised you and call on Jesus. Because he has sent his word and he healed their diseases. And he delivered them from their destruction. Have you received the healing word this morning? Look, if you're sick this morning in your spirit, in your heart, in your soul, I should say, or in your body, call on God. Call on God first. God uses doctors. God uses medicine. But he wants you to call on him first. Say amen, somebody. He wants to be your first resort. Because, look, doctors can't heal the soul. Only God can do that. And when God does it, you'll notice this, that when God operates on your soul level, your body begins to receive the benefits of it. When the soul gets healed, when the soul gets restored, the body starts to receive the benefits of it. That's why you got to go to God first. Now here's number four. The fourth state of the soul of man. Verse 23. Those who got down to the sea in ships, who do business in on the great waters. They have seen the works of the Lord, his wonders in the deep. And he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. Now we see the fourth state of the soul is a storm-tossed soul. Have you ever had a storm-tossed soul? I mean, inside of you look like a tossed salad. Mixed up. Emotionally. You don't know if you're happy or you're sad. You don't know if you're going or coming. 
You don't know if you're going to make it or not going to make it. The, stor- the, the storms of life come. And they toss the soul of man. They make man a, 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 a ship on the sea that's tossed about. And the Bible says here that these, these mariners, these ships, they went out where they had a plan. They were going to go and make some money. They were going to go find a great catch. They were going to go and bring home a great treasure. But in the middle of the plan, a storm came up. Unexpected. Unannounced. They didn't know it was coming. But here they are in the middle of the storm. And the Bible says this. And you let me know if this, uh, if this ever sounds like your soul. It says that they were lifted up on the waves of the sea. You may have seen uh, the, the video footage perhaps of a ship being tossed by a mighty wave and be carried up. And you feel like you're on top of the world. And then he says, and then it went down to the depths of the earth. Up and down. Tossed about like a rag doll on the seas of life. Like a roller coaster up and then down you're just clinging for dear life. Clinging for some hope. Clinging for some way out. He said and their feet were on the deck and they walked about on the deck of the ship like drunk men. Tossed about. No security. No place of safety. No place of constancy. The soul of man can find itself in that place in a moment. You could be living out your plans just like these men went out to sea. They're going to go find a treasure. They've got big plans and suddenly a storm. Your, your child is sick. You've lost your job. Your parents are dying. Or someone you love has died. And all of a sudden that, that plan seems like it just gets stopped and everything gets tossed up into despair and trouble. You don't know what's going to happen next. And look at what the Bible says about their soul. It says that they were at their wit's end. And their soul melted away. Everything lost. Everything melted away. And the Bible says that they did this one thing. Same thing that they've been doing all along. They called upon the Lord. Say amen, somebody. They called upon the Lord. And the scriptures tell us that you and I have to call on the Lord where and when? In their trouble. In the storm. You remember the disciples were with Jesus and they were in the middle of a storm and, and they were being tossed about to and fro just like just like these men and these mariners, and then they called upon Jesus, and they said, Lord, don't you care that we are perishing? Don't you care that we are dying? And the Bible tells us that the Lord was in the bottom of the boat asleep. You realize that what panics you doesn't panic God. What scared you didn't scare God. Listen, you're going to go through storms. There's nothing in life that can, that can keep you from going through storms. 
Storms are going to come. Storms are part of life. They're a reality of life. And the important thing is not to try to avoid the storms. The important thing is to make sure that Jesus is in the boat. Because when Jesus is in the boat, there's going to be peace in the midst of the storm. Come on, somebody. There's going to be peace in the midst of the storm. They called on the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. What does the Bible say? He caused the storm to be still. Have you ever had God still the storm of your life? Look at what he did. He called the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. And they were glad because they were quiet. When you call on God in the middle of the storm, the first thing that happens is he quiets you. Come on, somebody. He quiets you. He brings peace to your spirit. He brings peace to your heart. He brings you to a place of acknowledgement. God's in control of this. God knows what he's going to do. And what happened was they became glad. Why were they glad? Because now there was a stillness in their soul. And I love this verse. It says, he guided them. To their desired haven. They started out with a plan. They started out with a goal. But then the storm came up. And many times when we get into a storm. What we think is it's over. The plan is over. The vision has gone. The, the dream is done. But what did God do? When, they, when he brought peace in. He brought them straight on to the place they had desired to go. He took them to their desired haven. Listen. Your storms don't have to cancel your dreams. Your storms don't have to cancel your vision. Your storm doesn't have to cancel the life that you have planned with God. Come on somebody. He will bring peace into your life. And then let you go on sailing. And do the thing that he promised he would do in your life. Four times we see the same solution. They called on the Lord. Now here's the part your spirit has to play. Because the soul is lost. The soul is captive. The soul is sick. The soul is storm storm tossed. But the spirit has a role to play. And the role of the spirit is to talk to God. You see, your spirit is that part of you that has communion with God. It's that part of you that is able to hear his voice. That part of you that is able to believe him when he speaks. And the problem with many believers is they don't operate in the spirit. The Bible said that if you walk according to the flesh, you will die. That word flesh, it basically is saying if you walk according to your soul. Your appetite, your emotions, your instinct. You're going to bring death into every situation. But if you will walk by the Spirit, you will live. If you will pray in the Spirit, you will live. If you will get God, get in communion with God, get into the presence of God. You do that with your spirit. That's why I don't mind when you clap. But clapping... The body can do that, and the spirit is not involved. 
You follow me? And so we get into we get into church, especially Pentecostal churches. We love to clap, we love to dance, we love to run, we love to shout. But that's that can all be done without the Spirit ever getting involved. And you can do all of those things and leave just as dry and just as lost and just as captive and just as storm-tossed as you were when you arrived. And none of that's wrong. All of that is taught in Scripture. And all of it is the product. When your spirit is, is in communion with God, you're going to raise your hands. You're going to clap. You're going to shout. But it has to begin in your spirit. When your spirit is in communion with God, you say, Pastor, this is deep stuff for a Sunday morning. I want you free. I want you living the abundant life. And it begins in the spirit. Why? Because the Bible says, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. It's your spirit that takes the word of God and it's your spirit that receives the life of God and that touches your soul and that touches your your body but it begins when you and I are in communion with God from our spirit. You say, Pastor, do I have to get into a yoga position to do that? Everybody say, no! You just quiet your soul. You tell your you tell your flesh, siéntate, sit down. I gotta talk to God for a minute. That's why when we when we are gonna pray, often I'll tell you, lift your hands. Why do we lift our hands? It's to tell our body, shh, you're not in charge right now. Because there's no natural reason to do this. The body doesn't get this. Because our body was taught that if you have a question, you need to raise your hands. That's why we raise our hands. We tell our body, you're not in charge right now. And we then we begin to lift our voice. And we begin to bless the Lord. And we let our spirit do business with God. And we start talking to God out of our spirit. And we're letting our soul know, right now you be quiet. Right now we're not stressed out. We're not worried. We're not panicking. Right now we're talking to God out of our spirit. Come on. And the spirit of God brings life. And the lost find a home. And the captive finds freedom. And the sick find healing. Because... We call on God. I think your assignment's clear this morning. Are you ready to call on God? I said, are you ready to call on God? Let's stand together this morning. Come on, right where you are, just lift your hands to heaven. And out loud, I want you to begin to bless the Lord. Just start worshiping God. Just start thanking Him. Start giving him the place that he deserves. Come on, let your spirit do business with God. That part of you that can hear from God and talk to God is activating right now. You are a spirit. 
And you have been saved by the almighty power of the, of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit right now is praying through you and empowering you to receive the life of God and the answer that you need this morning. Come on, breakthrough comes as you pray. Breakthrough comes as you pray.